and so who might experience suicidal thoughts anyone this is the crisis center podcast on today's episode suicide warning signs and prevention So I think warning signs can vary for each person. There could be a combination of things. There could be one big thing. Every individual is unique. The warning signs of suicidal thoughts or behavior is also unique. But there are some common trends and things to be aware of. Maybe they're saying things such as like they feel hopeless, feeling like a burden. You know, maybe your you know friend is, is flat out telling you that they feel like they have no reason to live. Listening to things such as I feel like I just can't do this anymore. Or, you know, maybe your friend is talking about looking for means or, you know, trying to get access to a means. A person talking about... Um, It's being too much. Life is too much. Maybe talking about being a burden. Maybe even explicitly saying that they're wanting to die. You know, um, when I think about warning signs, I think about sort of like different sets of like thoughts and feelings that a person might have. So what I mean here is that if a person is feeling a whole lot of despair, Um, I think that can be a warning sign of suicide or suicidal thoughts. Like, so despair or kind of catastrophic thinking, like sort of feeling like the world is broken and that there's no way to fix it. Also, I sometimes think that associated with suicidal thoughts is more like the feeling of feeling disconnected, right? Like you feel really isolated and lonely. There, There might be people in your life, but the way that you feel is that you feel really lonely. A key warning sign around suicidal thoughts and behaviors is a profound sense of hopelessness, not seeing any way that things can get better. So the person is kind of trapped in that moment of the current pain and suffering, not being able to see a way out of it, and also not being able to embrace the idea that things can change, that we can move in a better, healthier direction. Also, sometimes I think that um, the experience of feeling like disengaged, like from even like from yourself, um, can sometimes lead to suicidal thoughts and behaviors. And again, um, knowing the person helps knowing kind of where they are. And then behaviorally, I think we always hear about people giving things away or saying final goodbyes, but there's also more subtle things. So isolating from others and not participating in things like they used to. Those can be signs of other mental illness like depression, but it also could be a sign that this person may be thinking of suicide or at risk for suicide. You know, sometimes it can be something as simple as noticing that your friend is isolating themselves and, you know, they're not necessarily wanting to spend time or wanting to catch up with anyone. But that could be sometimes pretty difficult to notice, especially right now um, while we're in a pandemic and we're, you know, having to do the whole social distancing thing for a lot of people they are feeling pretty afraid to be out in public or around a lot of people right now so we've got to come up with some more creative ways to make sure that we're doing some social things um, and staying connected with each other Um, also sort of like a a sense of like lacking purpose or meaning uh, in your own life or in life in general Um, feeling deep shame um, or struggling um, with believing in your bones that there's something irrevocably like broken in some way. Um, Those are sort of things that that come to mind. Like I, I, 
know that some of these thought processes are present in terms of like suicidal like thoughts and behaviors. So when someone that you care about starts to withdraw, um, being open to, to asking them what's going on. If you're noticing your friend is saying they, they aren't being connected, you're saying, hey, let's FaceTime. And they're like, no, not today. This can be a sign as, you know, your friend telling us that they are trying to be by themselves. So we really need to dig in and figure out a little bit more about what's going on. It can be maybe your friend talking about they're feeling trapped or feeling stuck right now. But again, every person is different. And if you're noticing something that's going on with your friend that feels like they're doing something that seems out of their character, this is a good time for us to start paying more attention to them and maybe starting to ask that question about suicide or maybe even simply just checking in with them to you know find out why or what's happening that's making them do these things that seem out of character. The closer we are to someone, it helps us be able to really pinpoint when something's different. But also if you get that hunch that you know someone that you know is going through something, um, then it would always be a good idea just to pay a little bit more attention to that. So there are a number of different risk factors when it comes to suicide. Risk factors are those characteristics that simply make it more possible or, or more likely for someone to attempt suicide. This can be things such as substance misuse, past attempts, past previous attempts of suicide. You know, we say that one suicide attempt does not mean, does not guarantee you'll ever attempt suicide again, but that does heighten the risk. So being aware, has this person attempted suicide before? Have they had a major loss? Maybe it's someone that's experiencing a loss and that could be a loss such as, you know, grieving. Maybe they've lost a loved one, someone passed away, but it can also be a loss of a relationship or, you know, loss of that, that social support, that connection that you have to someone. It can also also be someone experiencing a financial loss or you know losing a job obviously a risk factor would be um, someone that already has a mental health diagnosis you know someone battling depression schizophrenia anxiety if a person's struggling with mental illness like that we just know that there's probably going to be some struggle with suicidal ideation along there as well are they struggling with their mental illness? These are all things that can increase the risk factor for suicide. Or, you know, someone already has a chronic or a terminal medical diagnosis. Also things such as lack of access to, to health care. So if it is someone that's struggling with you, know, like, you know, visual hallucinations or auditory hallucinations, but they don't have health insurance, it's, uh, you know, going to be pretty tough for that person to be able to get the services that they need. And so that person might begin to feel trapped. These are some risk factors that, you know, would put someone at a higher chance for attempting suicide. The stigma of both mental illness and like having thoughts about suicide. You know, so often people don't really know how to interact with someone who has had suicidal thoughts before or has dealt with that. Um, and so when someone does bring it up, you know, most people just don't know how to react to that, right? Um, and so they might get scared and uh, they might end up saying something like, oh, well, well, you wouldn't really want to do that, or what a dumb idea, or why don't you just be okay, or um, why don't you just feel better, or something like that. And so, yeah, sometimes mental illness is stigmatized, sometimes having suicidal thoughts is stigmatized. And that sort of like shame that's wrapped around it might lead someone to really never ever talking about it or reaching out and getting the help that they need. Like if a person doesn't feel safe reaching out, even if there are helpful things out there, those things aren't actually going to be helpful because a person feels so much stigma that they might not ever reach out. Also as a risk factor, I'm gonna say trauma. If you have 
experience trauma, if you are experiencing trauma, it's going to increase those thoughts. Trauma leads us to feeling like the world isn't a safe place or that we might feel trapped. It's suicide, like if we kind of connected it to trauma, um, we could almost say that it's a kind of flight response, right? It's a kind of way that when we are so overwhelmed, when we are so exhausted, when we can't handle the world around us, um, there, there always feels like there is this one type of control that we can't have, and that's to not be here anymore. Next, I think a risk factor is lacking access to affordable mental health care, right? Like, um, it's one of those things where, like, maybe you don't feel stigma about it. Maybe you can accept that as a part of your life, as a part of the kind of, like, the hand you've been dealt that you have to deal with all the time. Um, but the thing is, like, we know that mental health care works, right? Like, that's, you know, we literally have the research for it. We can see it happen. Um, but frequently people who experience, you know, struggles with mental health and struggles with suicidal thoughts may not be able to afford mental health care to get treatment for those things, right? So along the same lines as, like, lack of social support, does a person have deep connections? Are those deep connections in their lives? People who understand what mental health uh, looks like, what mental health struggles look like. And then I'm also going to like specifically talk about here like lack of access to like basic needs being met, right? So like I think we can all understand that a person might be feeling like really strong feelings and thoughts and things. Like if they're not able to have shelter, if they're not able to have clothes, if they don't have access to food or water or, or again that experience of safety, right? Like those things are going to like naturally be connected to one a person like feeling bad right and then of course that being connected to suicidal ideation and then of course like there's some other like really complex sort of risk factors for suicide so if you're a part of a system um that has like normalized suicide that can be a risk factor so we know that this most frequently happens in like family systems so if one person dies by suicide in a family that increases the risk that someone else in the family is going to die by suicide. Suicidal thoughts is, you know, something that, uh, you know, I think anyone could experience. It could happen to anyone. But, you know, we know that those vulnerable populations uh, are at an increased risk. You know, so young people, youth, LGBTQ identifying individuals, middle-aged males, veterans, underserved populations. Right now, you know, those experiencing racial trauma. Um, but we do know that, you know, those suicidal thoughts could happen to anyone. For certain groups and demographics, the risk of someone completing suicide is higher. So for men, men generally complete suicide, even though women may attempt suicide more, because generally they do tend to use more lethal means. So using a gun, for example. Older adults are actually at a high risk for suicide. I think a lot of the times we focus on younger people, and we are seeing an increase with younger people attempting suicide and completing suicide, but we also see uh, a high rate of completed suicide for older adults. And especially with everything going on, with a lot of isolation, a lot of older people are at an increased risk to COVID, but that's also putting them in an increased risk for loneliness, uh, which can be a contributing factor to thinking about and attempting suicide. A good graphic I saw recently 
is when someone is experiencing an intersection of feeling like a burden and feeling like they don't have any hope and feeling alone, those intersections can really lead to suicidal thoughts. You know, this is something that so many people struggle with and have struggled with in different times in their lives. No one is immune from going to this dark place and thinking that they have no other option. You know, when we start really talking to people, so many people have had thoughts of just, you know, I just don't want to hurt anymore. I don't want to suffer anymore. And if you combine that with, you know, not having a sense of hope that things can get better, it can take people to a really, really dark place where they, in the moment, might make a choice that, you know, they can't take back. I think acknowledging that in certain situations, we all can have suicidal thoughts or just that feeling of hopelessness and sort of normalizing it, you know, reaching out for help, knowing that there are people that can help you get on a better path to help you help yourself get on a better path. Since good mental health, you know, comes from a history of having good coping skills to a crisis, uh, then, you know, if someone doesn't have that access to resources to help them cope with that trauma, you know, then obviously this is something that could uh, lead to that person experiencing increased suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideations. Anyone from really any background, any religion, any orientation, suicide is uh, not a discriminator. So recognizing that even those people who may be smiling and laughing, they can have thoughts of suicide. Essentially, anyone might have suicidal thoughts. Literally anyone could do this. I would say if you're looking, if you're like paying attention, um, I would say pay attention to people who've experienced loss throughout their lives, whether this is they've lost a loved one, um, if they've lost a coping strategy or access to a coping strategy, have they lost a job or their sense of purpose, um, have they gone through a breakup, things like that. Like really pay attention to um, people who might have lost something or who are desperate for something. When I've talked to people um, who are thinking about it, a lot of them say, you know, I am put on a smile every day and people don't really know what I'm, what I'm going through and what I'm thinking. And so being aware that even those people who may be happy can really be struggling. And that's why it's important to have connection, to have honest conversations. I know I've had my own struggle with mental illness and, um, with ideation. And a lot of the times, uh, even when I'm struggling with that, I can appear, okay to a lot of people. I can actually be what appears to be successful achieving a lot of things. And um, I remember one time in college, I actually was going through a really bad depression. But I was talking to one of my friends and they're like, I can never imagine you being depressed. At that very moment, I was struggling so deeply, but people didn't really realize. And I think that's something important to remember. And especially as we continue to go through COVID, where people are feeling so isolated, so alone, and there can be, it can be even more difficult to hope because we don't know when this is going to be over. (laughs) 
So what could you do if you feel like someone you know is ex- exhibiting warning signs? I think very simply the, the you know, first thing to do would be to reach out to them. Again, when like really pay attention, right? Are you seeing changes in their mood? Are you seeing changes in their behavior, right? Are their sleep habits changing? Are their eating habits changing? Um, are they engaging in like dangerous behavior or sort of talking very fatalistically? Um, certainly you can pay attention to those things. Check in with them. Hey, how are you doing? You know, hey, I haven't heard from you for a while. Or, hey, I noticed you've, you know, canceled our last FaceTime and Netflix dates. Or, you know, hey, I know you have been, you know, really struggling with anxiety with this, you know, pandemic. Or you lost your job because of it. Or, you know, maybe you're, you know, struggling figuring out, you know, how you're going to take care of a family while, you know, kids are home during school. You know, whatever that, that thing might be. be a good idea to reach out to them, you know, after you've, you know, had that conversation with your friend, letting them know that you're there for them. And also ask the question, you know, ask the question. We've we've got to become more comfortable with, you know, simply asking, you know, hey, were you thinking about suicide? Are you thinking about harming yourself? You know, because then it kind of opens up the door for that, you know, friend to figure out if this is a safe space where I can, you know, share this information with you or not. One of the biggest things is just being comfortable talking to someone in a real way. You know, sometimes... You know, people are so uncomfortable hearing about suicidal thoughts that they, you know, kind of shut the other person down. If they're a person that you care about and you feel like they care about you, right, if there's already a natural connection, you can engage them in a conversation and say, hey, what's going on, right? You can, you can be there for them, I would say. So being able to let the person speak their truth. And, you know, again, let them know that we're there for them. Let them know you're there for them, you know, and tell your friend, you know, if I can help, you know, in any way, let me know. But also let them know that you can help them if you're in a state to be that person. Um, you know, always, always check in with you first. If you're also, you know, in a state right now where you don't feel like you're going to be the most assistant, you know, you can connect them to resources. The Crisis Suicide Hotline's always here. We're 24 7 because sometimes we're going through things ourselves too. It might not be in a state uh, to be the best help. If that's something that does sort of freak you out, like, or scares you a little bit, yeah, that's understandable. Not everyone is just sitting around with, like, like paying attention to someone who's struggling with suicide. Um, and so I would say, like, refer them, right? And make, make referral, like, a really normal and acceptable thing, right? You know, let them know, like, hey, yeah, sometimes people struggle. And if you're struggling, that's an okay thing. And here's what you can do if you're struggling with this. You can call places like the Crisis Center. Um, You can help them find a counselor that might really work for them. You can encourage them. Drop something off at their doorstep, right? A sweet little gift or um, send them a note or a letter or just like an encouraging text or something like that. Like letting them know that you care, that you're there, that you want them to get the help that they like deserve, you know? Also, what to do if someone's exhibiting some warning signs and, you know, you ask a question and someone says they are feeling suicidal or have been thinking about harming themselves, we want to really, really fray away from giving that superficial reassurance. And, you know, I know we're in the South here. So, you know, of course, everyone say you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You're going to get through this. Um, You know, we're telling someone, oh, no, you don't want to do that. Right. We we want to avoid giving that you know, reassurance, because we, we don't know. And, you know, we, we can't, you know, honestly tell someone that everything will be okay, considering their situation when we don't know if things will be okay. Um, but we can be there to support them, you know, while they're trying to figure these things out for themselves as well. 
thoughts of suicide may be increasing. I mean, some of the studies I've read have pointed to that of, I mean, we're seeing increased suicide calls on the hotline, but also the fallout from COVID, the mental illness, the mental health fallout from this can potentially be really huge. So continuing to check in on people, continuing to ask, are you okay? And realizing it's okay to ask someone, hey, you know, I've noticed you're kind of different. I noticed things have been a little off and you're saying some things that are concerning me. Are you thinking about suicide? Asking it in that non-judgmental, open way can be so helpful instead of, well, you're not thinking about suicide, are you? Because that is asking for a no and being open to hearing a yes from someone because that may actually save their life. And also recognizing you asking that question is not putting the idea in their head. Um, If they've already been thinking about it, you're giving them an opportunity to voice that. And if they haven't, you're also a safe person. They can know that you're a safe person for them to talk to. You know, everyone has mental health struggles. You know, I think that's one of the things that it took me a while to fully understand. You know, I was so invested in trying to be good at what I was doing and present like everything was in a good place, uh, that there were times when I, you know, kind of denied my own struggles. Um, But now realizing that, you know, no one has it made. No one is just sailing through life like it's a breeze. You know, we all have ups and downs. Acknowledging that. You know, for me, in my family, we have a real history of depression and anxiety. My personal connection to suicide, I think, is something that has has been around in my life for a while. But it honestly wasn't until I finished the first um, assist training for the crisis center, the applied suicide intervention skills training that all the staff has, uh, where I really actually realized just how, you know, close suicide was to me and my family. Um, You know, I kind of you know, heard about it. We like, you know, talked about it, understood what was going on, but I still, something inside of me refused to, you know, admit that what was happening was, was happening to, you know, a loved one of mine. So it's, it's, it's really troubling to think about sometimes, but it's good to know now after I've had some training and, you know, kind of got connected to some more resources to be able to better support my loved ones. You know, sometimes we feel like we have to be the person that has, you know, all these perfect answers wrapped up in a perfect bow and we, you know, give it to them. And it's going to make everything better. You know, but simply put, we're not always the ones that do have those answers, but, you know, being there for them and being available and being a safe space is something that's been, uh, you know, peaceful and hopeful for, you know, both loved one and also for, for me or for myself. So personally, you know, I've had times of, you know, pretty intense depression, pretty intense anxiety. Um, and so that's something I've worked really hard with, you know, to try to get to a better place with that. Being able to acknowledge that, you know, just, it used to seem so threatening to share about that. And, you know, I've kind of worked through that and recognized, you know, that that's really a sign of strength to acknowledge, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. I don't have to pretend I have it all together 
and that I can handle anything and everything. But acknowledging what I'm struggling with allowed me to work on it and try to understand, you know, where is that coming from? You know, what situations bring more of that out? And for me, a lot of it really just tied back to good self-care. First of all, I had to really learn what does it mean to take good care of yourself. And then I had to unlearn some things that I had learned in childhood or in trying to cope with situations and maybe not choosing the healthiest path. So I had to recognize the things I needed to unlearn. Focus on that good self-care. Now that's one of the simplest things to say and it can be one of the hardest things to do. We all need help and guidance to help us get on a better path. You know, I've been to counseling and worked on that with professionals, reached out, you know, to loved ones around issues for support and encouragement. I didn't get that support and encouragement until I began to reach out for help. And, you know, I feel like I'm in a much better place with all of that now. I really understand what good self-care means. I have, uh, you know, had experiences with mental illness. I have always been someone that was a very anxious person um, from the trauma that I experienced. As a child, while I was growing up, kind of always had this like internal fear and I was just conditioned to just never open up about it. So I just, you know, kind of always thought, okay, I just always am supposed to be afraid of everything all the time like this. And, you know, you know, feel this jumpy and hypervigilant about everything. And, you know, of course, as I grew up, my anxiety uh, started turning into more and more regular panic attacks that I would even continue to hide throughout early adulthood. And what kept me from really reaching out for help um, was my fear of worrying others. You know, I didn't want people to think that, you know, something was wrong. And of course, my conditioned brain from my childhood, you know, from, you know, childhood trauma I've experienced to always look okay and only show your best. Um, so that, but also I didn't have the health insurance to just go and see a counselor. You know, we forget about that. Some people actually have, you know, more resources available to them to go and get help. And I wasn't someone, you know, unfortunately that had that yet. So it, it wasn't until, you know, I started having several panic attacks, you know, while driving. I think I'd be driving home from work some days. And I think one of those was finally when I, you know, pushed myself and, and got the courage to seek help and to learn a lot more about mental health and, you know, how it applies to my own life. It is it is so easy to encourage others to, you know, say, reach out for help and, you know, check in with yourselves. Um, but it is really, really hard to remember to apply those words and to apply those things to ourselves. Um, so remember to check in on your own mental stability. You know, you can be surprised, you know, some of the things that you're feeling. And I know, like, from my experience, I always told myself, it's okay. It's, it's normal to be, you know, feeling like this or to be having panic attacks all the time. Um, you know, until, you know, I started thinking more about it and, you know, talking more about it at work and realizing, you know, this isn't okay. Um, so check in with yourselves, check in with your own mental stability, you know, ask yourself, how am I feeling today? What's going on? What is making me feel, you know, X, Y, Z, and, you know, have those honest conversations with yourself because those, you know, conversations with yourself, you know, doing those check-ins with yourself could probably be something that can also save your own life. I think, you know, preventing suicide, ties back into things that I've already talked about. Uh, One is not being afraid to talk about it. 
first and foremost, connection, having honest conversations with people. I think also really advocating for increased mental health care because so many times people are struggling and aren't able to get the help they need. I think we can just really normalize mental health and mental health care. Um, I think that this is happening more and more um, in the world around us. Not being afraid to either share if we're struggling with it or to hear about someone else's struggles, you know, to get the help that's needed. Reaching out. I think suicidal thoughts are a lot more common than most people realize. And, you know, there is hope. You can be that supportive person to sit with someone if they are thinking of suicide coming up with a safety plan, maybe going with them to their appointments or going with them to the emergency room if they need. Also recognizing that when you are the person that someone opens up to, that that is such an honor that that person thinks you're trustworthy and a person who can handle what they're saying. And so to one, recognize, you know, you need your own support, but also, wow, what an honor that someone trusts you enough with their struggle. And if you don't know what to say, you can say that. You can just say, hey, this is a lot and I'm here for you and I care about you. I don't know what to say, but I'm here. You are worthy of support. You're worthy of love because I think that can be a big factor too of, of not feeling worthy, of not feeling like you matter can really really impact someone's mental health and even their thoughts about suicide. I feel like, uh, you know, we need each other, you know, now more than ever. There's, you know, so much going on. There's, you know, a lot of divide. There's, uh, you know, so much racial trauma. There's so much anxiety. There's so much fear for for health and for well-being right now in this pandemic. Um, So I think that, you know, now, if anything, this is really a time where people are experiencing an increase of risk factor and also a Crisis decrease line. of protective factors. Always so this available. is you know, really the time for us to start checking so in with one another, no asking one those questions, and if anything, building more of a connection so that we can make sure we're taking it. care of each other. Um, so hearing the person that's struggling with suicidal thoughts, helping them to get connected with that those resources and that support and encouraging them you know to try to get on a healthier path thank you for listening to this episode of the crisis center podcast if you're feeling suicidal if you or a loved one has been contemplating suicide or just feeling generally hopeless we hope you'll call us We're available 24 hours a day at 205-323-7777. You can find more information about all of our programs and services at www.crisiscenterbham.org. Thank you so much to our staff for their contributions today.